episode number five. So I had my first guest on the podcast. I sat down with Alastair Bunnamore. So he is one of the owners slash directors of Real Fit Strength and Conditioning. So the gym that I work at. So yeah, he's one of my bosses. We talked about his journey to get to where he is now. Then we kind of discuss what it's like owning a small business and also what it's like to work in the fitness industry. Now, I do have to apologize. Al's mic is a bit softer than mine, so at times he's a little bit hard to hear and I kind of sound really loud at different parts. But yeah, please forgive me. I'm kind of figuring all this out as I go. It'll be better next time. But yeah, I hope you guys enjoy. All right, thanks for doing this, man. So for those that don't know, so we've just come, well, everyone knows, I assume, we've just come through the COVID-19 shutdown. So we were closed for 10 weeks. It was 10 weeks, wasn't it? Yeah. 10 weeks. Yeah. And we've now been open for, I guess it'll be four weeks at the end of this week. So it's a Friday afternoon here. So the end of this will be the end of this week will be four weeks. How did you find the whole COVID period, the whole shutdown? Uh, <clears throat> yeah, I... Mixed bag, personally, I was like, oh, it wasn't like too difficult, but it was sad. Like the initial bit was a bit of a shock because of the time frame. That whole yeah. Sunday night, ten pm announcement, and then shut by lunchtime the next day. That was intense. Um, yeah, I remember that yeah. coming in, and we were all just talking about it, and it was like, oh, f- shit, we got to like be closed by twelve o'clock today. Yeah, and I reckon when that happens, it happens so quick that you just react. To it, you don't really get a chance to actually think about it. And that first week, and I remember we talked about this as weird, like that first week you're busy like organizing we're organizing equipment, mm. um, sorting the gym out, sorting out members, sorting out debits and payments and all that sort of stuff. And then the next week after that second week was like, right, this is weird. <laughs> <laughs> and it's yeah. really hard to maintain motivation. Or I found it hard to maintain You're right. That set that that week once we locked everything in, you started doing the Zoom sessions and all that sort of stuff. It was really weird, eh? Yeah. Doing everything via the internet. But then you get used to it, hey? Like after like two weeks or three weeks. After three weeks or so, you find, well, you just find a new routine, huh? So yeah. that's what I found. Well, and the routine kind of worked for me personally because I was out on sun and stuff. So um, trying to, like, it just made it, it was quite, it was quite good, really, to be honest. And I also didn't have, I only had two, two or three people on Zoom, so it was quite easy to manage the week. Yeah. That was it, hey, because as soon as that happened, your whole routine of everything is just gone, yeah. and then you pretty much just have to start from scratch and make a new one. Yeah. It was, what I found, the routine was so easy. Uh, sorry, the productivity was much higher. So I could get done in two hours in the morning what could possibly take two days at the gym because you're not getting interrupted. Yeah. And you just wake up and you just do it. It's yeah. yeah. It's interesting, though, when you're completely in control of your schedule, though. Like when you're coming into the gym, you have to be here at set times. You have to stay till a set time. Yep. As then when you're just working from home, you have complete control of your day. Hey, so you can just be like, yep. can be a good thing or a bad thing. You can just end up doing nothing or you can just go real productive with it. <laughs> you just have one real Yeah. <laughs> you feel just relaxed for the rest of the week. <laughs> um, and then coming back, how have you found coming back over the last couple of weeks? I sort of, yeah, it's a good question. I kind of struggled actually, to be honest, getting that route. Like, because getting the timing back, I had all these grandiose ideas of having like my diary organized so that I could do the X, Y, and Z and I could go out for runs and you know, do bits and pieces. Yeah. And it kind of just hasn't, it just doesn't work like that. Like, no. Nah. Kind of 
yeah, you get all these grand ideas about, oh, I'm going to set my work weeks up perfectly so I can do this, this, and this, and then... It sort of hasn't happened, but that's okay. Like, it's all right. It's kind of, um, it's been not very busy in terms of actual work with clients, but it's been busy otherwise. Oh, yeah, everything behind the scenes is, like, flat out at the moment because of organised all the random stuff that's going on. Yeah. But, um... Yeah, I think it's been good though. It's been really cool to get back into the gym. And it's crazy how quickly you just forget. It's like that 10 weeks never even really happened now. Yeah. After like three weeks, four weeks, you just it's almost like a distant memory now. Yeah. But anyway, hopefully we don't end up going backwards. Yeah, fingers crossed. I don't think anyone can afford it to go backwards. <laughs> I don't think anyone can afford <laughs> it to go backwards. <laughs> right, okay. So what we're going to do now... We're going to talk about you, Al. So we'll start from the beginning. So where did you grow up? New Zealand? Uh, yeah. So I grew up in Christchurch in the South Island of New Zealand and grew up in a place called Lidwood, which is very close to the city on the east side of the city. Yeah. Yeah, right. I was there till 20 years. You scanned a few messages. I have my phone's it's going off. Um, I was there till I was 20. Five or 26? 26, I think, before I moved to Perth, yeah. Yeah, right. How was it growing up in New Zealand? Good, good. So I grew up in the inner city part of Christchurch, went to a small um, inner city school. Um, yeah, it was really, it would be very similar, I'd say, growing up in Australia. It was a uh, um, pretty easy place to live, safe sort of place, you know, like, I don't know, like, yeah. Do you have brothers and sisters? You yeah, do, yeah? Sister, younger sister. Yeah. How much younger is she? Two, two years younger. Yeah, okay. So she works at the tax office. So she's still in New Zealand? Yeah, yeah, So she's there. She's her and her fiance are still in Christchurch. Yeah. Uh, Mum and dad are still in Christchurch and then all the mates that I grew up with and stuff are all still over there. So. Yeah, okay. And did you play, so you played rugby growing up, yeah? Uh, I s- well, you swam and stuff, well, didn't you? I did all sorts of things. I swam as a child. Um, competitively and did fairly well with that. Got up to um, uh, like um, what do you call it? Like st- what you? Oh, I'm trying to think of the word. It's essentially equivalent state championship kind of level. Um, all over the United states, and then made it a one of those swimming squads where you have to be like at the pool like, three in the morning, and then you've got to go back after school and. You know, um, with a guy called Mark Bone, who was actually the Olympic coach at the time, but I, I turned it down. The Olympic coach was coaching the he was squad? Coaching, yeah. He's, he's oh, that's epic. The squad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there was Olympians in that squad. Well, the people would go on to the Olympics. And there's um, so there's a Helen Morphin, um, Gina Ferguson, he loved as a triathlete, um, and she's still one of the top triathletes in New Zealand, and someone else. So it was a good squad. Um, but anyway, I turned that down, and then I was, I think it was 14 or 15 at that stage, and then went into playing uh, rugby, and I was always playing cricket, and I started playing rugby probably at that age. In New Zealand is, so rugby's number one, yeah, in terms of sport? Yeah. Everyone just no, loves... Soccer is, like, like here, but rugby's the number one thing people give a shit about. Yeah, okay. But yeah, so same as here, sort of in terms yeah. of participation, soccer's the massive one. Soccer's way of everything. Um, but rugby and then closely followed by netball, like the two main sports. Oh, yeah, so basically the same as Australia. Everyone in, everyone in Australia plays soccer when they're younger yeah. at some point in yeah, time. Yeah, take out on 10s. 
Yeah. Yeah, like a landslide. Yeah, well, it's the same in Australia because I did the same thing too when I was younger. Played soccer till under, I think it was under tens actually, and then just started playing footy after that. Um, yeah, that's cool. So I played that, played rugby pretty much from there on until until I got how old was I? Like Thirty three or something? Thirty two, thirty three. How old were you when you left New Zealand? Twenty six. Oh yeah, Jeez, that's later than I thought. You stayed there for a fair while, eh? Um, yeah, yeah. So how? What were you doing over there, work wise and stuff, before you left? Um, so once I finished school, I had all these ideas of going to university, which is what I thought I was supposed to do, but did not do it because I did not pass my last year of school. <laughs> I didn't attend school as one should. Um, so I did a second year of like just a catch up year at a college, um, which I then went to uni the year after that. Um, so I was just working part time uh, in the supermarket actually after that uh, while I was at uni and then did a couple of years of uni, or a year and a half of uni, I think, and then threw that in, I hated it, and went to, um, it's called New Zealand Institute of Sport, which is a, um, uh, what would you call it, like a TAFE type, private, private kind of. Uh, like AIF? Like, college. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it's Australian Institute of Fitness or something yeah, like that, yeah. Similar. Private, private company. Did, did, a, did my qualifications there. Yeah, so from that, um, from doing that, I switched from doing part-time work in the supermarket into like the industry. So I was lifeguarding, swimming cars, had a swim squad that I looked after, did kids, learned school, learned swim stuff. Um, I worked at the rugby club that I played at and ran the gym program there. Um, and then I had a job in a small gym on the other side of town, just sort of gym floor type stuff, um, just a little commercial gym. And then, so I did that for two or three years before I moved over to Australia. All over the place, eh? Yeah. yeah. Like 50 different things. Yeah. Why did you decide to come to Australia? Was there anything that like prompted you to just wake up one day and you're like, I'm going to Australia? Uh, so when I was on this course, there's a group of boys that were all, good mates with um, and we were talking one day we're on this is back when they had computer rooms oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like on MSN or something yeah no we're on we're in the computer room at the at the course doing assignments and someone started googling or they were renting they need to get a flat and then they were they were, they were grumpy about the pricing they were like oh it's so expensive the houses are shit in New Zealand yeah houses will run down and um, cost a fortune. Um, so he was Googling renting in Australia just as just a look and he was looking at Brisbane and then um, then something there was an ad or something come up and looked, looked at Perth and we started looking through it and he was like he yelled out he was like holy shit this is half the price of an apartment of a unit of a house sorry a house in Christchurch hmm. and it had a pool massive Let's property see. four bedroom house pretty much brand new. We looked at it and we were like, this is amazing. So we're looking around um, on this website, how the website was. And then from that, we literally, the four of us decided that we were going to move there. And then, it's pretty weird how this happened actually. 
So it was literally just you just on a computer and you just started looking yeah, up houses in Perth. We looked at cheap ones, we looked at cool ones, and then we started Googling rugby clubs in Perth. And there's all these clubs, like it's a huge competition over there. And so we we moved. Like I don't know, that's weird. Like we two of the boys went early. Um, and I had I couldn't leave until longer till April and I went with another guy Justin when me and I flew together. The other two went early. And we play we went over there I think it's a long time ago now, I'm trying to think. I think the idea was that we'd go there for a year or play a season there and then to kind of work it out. And I think I'd sort of thought, oh, I'll go over to the UK and do that and try and mm. play over there or do something like that. And it kind of didn't pan out like that, which has worked out well now. Um, but yeah. That's so random, hey? Yeah. Just like on a computer yeah, looking exactly. up houses. And the rent was, and of course, when we actually got to Perth, Perth is expensive. <laughs> But we were looking at places that were like in Perth, greater region. So these places were miles away. From <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> so you're just in the middle of nowhere. It's a little tent in the middle yeah, of the bush. So we worked that out when we got there. But it all worked out well. We ended up in a, in a, in a sick apartment, pretty, pretty much at the sea there on the south side of the river. The place we called Melrose Place. Awesome. You called it Melrose Place? Yeah. That's really cool. So how was Perth? Yeah, Perth's awesome. If you've never been there, you should go. I've never actually been to Perth. Yeah, so it's one of, I think if it the only the single issue with it is is that it's five hours away from the east coast. Well it's kinda of like you have Perth all the way over there and then just nothing and then the east coast. Yep. Yeah, we go out there. But it's But the um you know, it's an easy place to look. It's similar to Canberra in that it's Getting around is very easy, even though it's big. It's, it's once you get the hang of the freeways and the streets and stuff, it's, it's, it's so much easier than Sydney. Um, and it suits my life, like the way I like to do so. It's really easy to go out for runs and bike rides and the beaches. Um, easy to get to. Easy Good weather. To weather is amazing. Water's beautiful. Um, it's a real outdoor city. Everyone's out and about doing things. So people always, because of the weather, I mean, everyone's out running yeah. or riding. Yeah, that atmosphere when you like walk along like beach or whatever and you can see bars and stuff and yeah. there's people everywhere and you're so like, yeah. sick, eh? So the, the Coslo strip, like there's bars and cafes that are always packed and then you've got this amazing beach and you've got the Indian Ocean sunset. Like, yeah, that's pretty cool. So what were you doing in Perth, uh, like, work-wise? Worked there. Well, we went over there really to play rugby. We didn't get any thought to working. <laughs> As you do. <laughs> Priorities. Yeah. So I, uh, I did. And, uh, you live and learn. I did no research. So I just turned up with my qualifications, which was what was it called the diploma sport exercise description. Um, and I thought I'll just get a cross reference and it'll be fine. I'll just work in Australia. I'll pick up some work at the gym. Um, something like that. Of course, it didn't work because I went to the WA government had a record, uh, education department had a recognition thing for the international education. No. to go through that process. So they recognised that they equivalent, made it the equivalent of an advanced diploma in exercise prescription, I think, is what they call it. It's what they worked out to be. So I took that to around and put it on the CV and sent it out and you know, went out to gyms and they were like, nothing nah, need to serve. Um, 
So, yeah, so I sent it off to a few places like AOF and a few others, and they said, oh, yeah, 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 no, more than cover it, but you need to do this marketing module, or I need to do it to do the Australian First Aid Certificate. Mm. So I put it in the Australian First Aid Certificate, like, oh, we cover the same points and stuff. <laughs> it's so dumb. So like, just trying to get your cost? money yeah, off yeah. there. Yeah, they were like, oh, you know, oh, two grand. <laughs> you do a whole course, like a cert three and four for us. Well, you can, yeah. That's no joke. Probably, probably one of the only people doing it, too. Yeah, they were. So I found this company called Fitbrick um, in Melbourne who did it for a couple of bucks, which is awesome. Oh, um, anyway, so I just worked at Kamandu, which is that um, oh, yeah. clothing, like outdoor retailing. And at that time, that was amazing because it was a CBD, first CBD. Um, heaps of fun. The guys that were um, that I was working with were all travelers. So, and I had a you know, a really cool manager who's just really laid back. It just was a lot of fun. A lot of fun. Yeah, that's sick. Most work. So I love that. So I went from there and then I went to the Cottesloe store, which is out on the beach, and then assistant manager there. And then from there, I got a job in a place called um, Burzwood Entertainment Complex, which was, so I was employed by the Intercom Hotel through what is now Crown, Crown Perth. So it was just before it sort of rebranded and ran and, and helped run the gym that was underneath the hotel, which was a, kind of like a boutique hotel gym, kind of like a hotel world is here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With a massive pool outdoor area. So it had these huge pools, two pools, I think. Dude, sounds nice. Oh, it was awesome. It was amazing. That was awesome to work at too. That was so much fun. We had so much fun there. Um, apart from the hours, because it's a hotel, right? So they have to be open. All the time. So, um, yeah, did that for a couple of years, got made redundant from there when they restructured everything, and then went to a couple of gyms, like just working as a PT, and then got on the mines, that's right. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So from there, I got a job as a health and lifestyle coordinator. You can do a whole podcast on Gigi had some jobs. had some jobs. So that was a very interesting experience. That was cool. Like now I look back at it, I wish I'd made more of that. But at the time, it was a difficult, difficult job. But yeah, so health and lifestyle coordinator on the mines. So you get work for a company that was essentially a subcontractor to Sodexo, which is one of those big site services companies. So you get flown to. I worked initially out of. Uh, Adelaide, so out of prominent, it was a prominent held Olympic Dam in South Australia, so I worked with those two, based in Perth, so fly across and then go up, and then yeah. I moved with Tegan, and we moved over to, so I met Tegan by the stage, and then I moved, we moved to Canberra, because she wanted to be over here, and my company were like, yep, no problems at all, because it's easy to fly from Canberra and Adelaide. Oh, so you just kept doing that same job yeah, and came to Canberra? Job. And then we flew, and then I got, we've been here about a month, and I got a phone call from my company, and they're like, we need to come back to Perth, because we've got work on the WA up on the gold fields. And I was like, ah. So we had a chat anyway, we weren't going to move back, we just moved over, so they said, that's fine. They just adjusted my salary, and they, they flew me across. So I went from Canberra to Sydney, Sydney, Perth, Perth to Carrara. Far out, was it a bit of a nightmare? Oh. I did this for six months and then had 
it's just too much, eh? Like, I could imagine it would be too much just that travel. I could just do your head in. We had, um, the other thing was, too, you had to, uh, I had to do these weird tickets. So you would fly, hang on, I had to do a full drive ticket. There, there was a massive plus. Full drive ticket. I went from, I had two weeks in Olympic Dam in Adelaide, and I flew to, flew back to Canberra. And I had three days there that I had to fly to Perth to do a full drive course, um, which was two days. And then I had to stay a night in Perth. Then I flew up to the mine for four weeks. And then while I was up on the mine, do you remember the, the volcano in Chile that shut down? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so I was I flew back into Perth, but the the flights weren't running because they couldn't land in the east coast at all because of the super volcano. So I got delayed by three days or something like that. No. So I only had a week off, three days of chewed up um, in Perth. And then I finally got back to the east coast. And I think I had a day or two maybe. And then turned around and flew back for four for another four weeks. So in the end, it was... It's such a nightmare. It was two weeks, four weeks, so ten weeks away and maybe five days back. So that broke the camel's back. It was warm. So... Um, I think I did another few swings, like little swings, and then chucked it in. Once I paid my credit card off, you just yeah, just had enough. Yeah, so that was it. Hey, so you had enough after that? Yeah, yeah. Um, and then I, I would say I arrogantly resigned because I was, like, <laughs> if that makes sense, because I just assumed that I'd get a job. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So and I didn't know Canberra at all. I'd, I'd never actually been there. Like I'd been living in Canberra technically for about seven or eight months, but I'd never actually spent any time here. And I'd never worked here and had to drive around because I'd fly back in and I'd just plod around my local area where we were staying in Narrabundra at the time, and then leave and then fly back out again. So I'd never actually explored the place. Um, and so I just assumed the job market would be similar to Perth, work, be well paid. So. What I found is that you need to know people in Canberra. <laughs> well, well, Canberra's Canberra's a bubble. Hey, it's so small that like everybody knows everybody, and and I didn't know anybody. So yeah, right. I, I resigned from the mine, and then it took me, I'm gonna say, four months to find work. Jeez. Um, so I'd apply for gyms and all the rest, but you just wouldn't even do that. Um, yeah, so eventually I got a job because Team got work with Anytime Fitness, so I got a job with um, with them, and then. Kind of through something else up as well, so worked there for a while. Um, yeah. So you started. So that was when you started doing PT in Canberra. Yeah. Then how did you end up at Real Fit? So from there, I went to uh, a gym called Energy Fitness and worked for Jess. Uh, so it's just a private private gym in um, West Belt Um From there. I met uh, Matt, who was the PT manager at the time, and then he uh, was, he ended up coming, not long after I started working as a PT there, he transitioned over to RealFit as an owner um, with Joe. Um, so that's the link there. And at the time, I was doing CrossFit, I was training at a CrossFit gym on the other side of town. Um, and yeah, I just kept Matt said, oh, you probably, oh, Brooke, actually, with the, one of the other contracts said, oh, you really enjoy real fit, like, you know, it's, it's sort of really strength-focused, and um, I think you'd really like it, so I went and tried that, so I sort of signed on, and 
as a client. And then from there, um, got to know Joe and Matt. Well, he got to know Matt better, and I got to meet Joe and Grant, who was the manager at the time. Um, and then went on as a they asked me to come on as a contractor, so I paid rent and started to develop my own business. Oh, I forgot. I started doing PT at home at this stage. Oh, yeah, I remember you talking about that yeah, previously. Yeah, yeah, so I lived in this house. This, we were renting this place, this sick place in Florey, and they had a double garage, so I'd set up a gym at home at that place and was already training people through my own business. Yeah. So it was actually quite an easy transition. So what? So you'd already had the business set up and stuff? And basically, that. yeah. So I just moved everyone into the gym, um, and then just had to work their pay rate what they were paying out based on what they pay for in here. Um, yeah, so I did that and I built it up full time and then uh, I think I did that for maybe a year or two before Matt left and then I took over Matt's share. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah, all the finer details, intricate things. And then how long, how many years ago was that now? Since, since you started as director? 2017, I was director. So August 2017, then I started. Yeah, okay. Yeah, that's cool. Such a bloody windy road. Such a random and windy road for you to end up, end up where you are now. How have you found uh, owning a business? Um. Because everyone kind of makes it out to be like, oh, I want to own my own business. It'll, I'll live the dream and... Yeah. It'll be such a cruisy lifestyle and I can do what I want. It's interesting. Um, man, that's such a good question. Um, so when I first started, I was in a situation where I can't, well, it still is the case now, so there's two of us, right? So Joe, and Joe's been running facilities at some, in some sort of form for a number of years. Um, so he, yeah, so like it's been good to have, like if I was doing this by myself, would be, I think initially would be very difficult. I think it's been a good introduction to running a business is coming in with someone else who has already done it. So you can sort of leverage off them a bit. Leverage off and bounce ideas off them and stuff. And they already know they've seen things happen, how things can play out. So that's good because I think if you do it by yourself, for the first time it would be terrifying. Oh, I could imagine it'd be, you have no idea what you're doing, eh? It was terrifying as it was. They had to take out. Well, it's essentially, well, it's, it's essentially affecting your livelihood because if they're like yeah. doing stuff that's tarnishing the brand of the business, then yeah. you're like yeah. screwing with all in the back. I know you're not thinking that all the time, but in the no. back of your mind, in the back of your mind, it's like yeah. all that money I'm sinking into this. Like you're, they're potentially ruining that if, if, if a staff member's doing something. I think the, the biggest lesson has been trying to not be too emotionally involved, invested, like not invested, but like too emotional, get too emotional about things. That's quite hard. That's actually quite a hard thing to do when you have when there's a backstory to other people, whether it's clients or people, staff or other people don't know. Yeah, well, one thing I've heard other like good business owners talk about is the whole not expecting anyone else to care as much about your own business as you do. Yep. So, like, which is never going to happen. So, if you have money in a business and you're emotionally invested, 
a casual staff member is not going to care as much about that no. business as you do. No. You can't expect them to. No. Nah. I think that's when things can go wrong is when there's an expectation from the owner that, that a casual staff member is going to do all the things. Um, yeah, you expect them to do more than... Yeah, to the hundred, to yeah. the absolute best of their ability and stuff. And yeah, they, you know, you expect them to do that some of the time. They don't think they'll do that all the time. So, no, it's been an interesting... Oops, I just smashed the microphone. Um, it'll be, it's been interesting. It's been good. It's been a real quick learning curve. Um, yeah, well, it's one of those things, isn't it, where you can't really anticipate most of the stuff that's going to happen. You kind of just have to, like, confront it as it happens. Because I thought, because I've had management roles pretty much all through my working career. I've normally started off somewhere and then find myself in a leadership role or managing role somewhere along the way. So I was like, I should, like, I felt comfortable enough with some elements of it, but then there's other elements that I'm not comfortable with, like negotiating leases or no, oh, yeah, all that sort of random stuff, stuff that you don't you think just, about. You just flat, just flat out of the you know. So you can lean on other people to help you. Um, but, yeah, you just kind of have to figure things out, and that's a bit uncomfortable. But that's good as well, because in five years' time, I'll be able to look back and be like, I don't think I can do all those things. Yeah, all the so stuff I'm you have to... Look at all those mistakes I made. <laughs> I burnt that place to the ground. <laughs> but I'm sweet now. I think I'm good now, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, um, well, it's an interesting one too because like I was talking about people glamorize kind of trying to own their own business. I think it's going to be all good. It's kind of the same with the fitness industry too. Like people think, oh, yeah, you work in the fitness industry. That must be so awesome. You just train a few people and then you get to train yourself and then you just work your own hours, all these sort of myths. But it's just not true. Because like we were talking about at the start, like you think you're going to have this, um, you think you can set up your day however you want. But it's just not true. Like you have to obviously fit in with what your clients can do yeah. and then you have it's to very, fit in. It's very, in my experience, which is 15, something, no, 12 years or something out of in this industry, there's very, very few coaches that are able to, to that are able to work the hours they want to work, charge the rates they want to charge, you know, go on the holidays and like mm. do it. And it's like any small business. It's, it's the same thing. But yeah, for some reason, the fitness industry gets painted out. Well, you see all the companies that are advertising the Cert 3 and Cert 4, all they talk about is, oh, work your own hours, be your own boss, make $100,000 a year. And you're like, well, that's just not it's not true at all. And it's, especially at the start, like you have to you have to work shit hours, you have to do so much stuff for free, which once again is probably the same as any sort of small business type thing. But Realistically, the pay rates are uh, average, to say the least. And um, yeah, look, there's, there's a lot which is not to paint it in a bad no, no, light either, because obviously we love it. But like, like if you work in, like retail is a good example. Like if you work in a retail um, position, then your hours are you know nine thirty to five thirty. You will be at work. From 930 to 530, you will not duck off for an hour. Mm. You know, and if you do, you know, you better hope your boss is going to be doing that. Like, whereas here, it's so, well, I'd real for anyway. Most gyms, it's a lot more, there's a lot more flexibility around that sort of stuff. Yeah, um, well, particularly if it's a small business type gym as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 There are some, uh, yeah, people come into the fitness industry at different 
times over their life. I think some people have set themselves up financially and they do it as a hobby and they do make it work for themselves. Mm. And that, that you see that quite a bit. People are kind of um, older, they are financially stable, secure, and they can um, open up. You know, they already have networks and contacts and they, they can kind of get hit the ground running. Um, or you have you know, people who come out of a set three or four and they just they can jump in and do, the, do all the hours and do all the things that they need to do to get, to get going. But it's, yeah. it's a lot about sticking it out too, hey? Like yep. through that early part where you have to do all the shit stuff yep. and bide your time because it's a massive respecting as well. Like people aren't going to pay you bucket loads of money to train them when you haven't even trained anyone before. No, and like, yep. Yep. So it's much about the same as anything though, really, isn't it? Hanging in there and... Paying your dues, so to speak. There's some good tools now for new coaches. So social media is the obvious one. You can create any kind of persona you really want with social media. So if you you can you can start to paint out what your skill set is, what your interests are. Yeah, well, it's just reach that you've never had before. Like yeah, yeah, you, and then you can um, you know you can start small and it can it can, it can yeah it can grow, but. Yeah, it's, it's patience though as well. Like it takes a long time for it to grow. It's not like it doesn't just take a week or a month or a year. It's like exactly. yeah. Yeah. years and years and years and years. Yeah. But it's good. And sometimes it's a bit of a momentum thing as well. Once you once you do you start to get the ball rolling, you find it start to, to pick up and work for you. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right, what do you got on for the Sabo? Can you go train now? I'm going to go get jacked. <laughs> don't allow those muscles, muscles to shrink too much. That's right. I'm going to atrophy. Right. Um, yeah, I'm going to go train and close the gym up. I'm going to go home and watch a movie. <laughs> who are the Crusaders play this week? Oh, Hurricanes? No, they played the last week. Uh, Chiefs. I was just expecting you say who cares because they'll probably win anyway. They'll play, they'll play the Chiefs. And so they've won 17 of 19 domestic derbies, but the two I've lost have been the Chiefs. <laughs> so this is I'm going to put a bet on the Chiefs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you need to get on that. Run out of time. Yes. Yeah, it's good to football back. Yeah. Righto. Well, yeah. That'll be it from us for now. Thanks for thanks for doing this, Al.